COVID-19 and the liars who tell them, financial enslavement, Attorney General Barr testifies on Capitol Hill, and if black lives really matter, how come they only seem to matter when they come to an end at the hands of the police? Hi, I'm Jamie Dury for National Preview Online. Thank you for joining us, and welcome to another NPO podcast. If you'd like to subscribe, and we encourage you to do so, please find us on podbeam.com. We will soon be listed on the Apple Podcast Network, as well as the Google Podcast Network, and we encourage you to find us there, and we look forward to you subscribing. You'll be notified whenever a new broadcast is uploaded, so you won't miss a thing. You can also follow us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash National Preview Online, and you can also go to our website directly, nationalpreviewonline.com. So what gives? We've all heard the stories. We've all heard the lies. And make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, they are lies. We've been told that we absolutely have to wear a mask or we're putting everyone at risk. You know, Dr. Fauci, the, uh, the, the former Brooklynite, you have to wear a mask. You have to wear a mask. Telling everyone you have to wear a mask or you'll die. This is all based on the premise that the virus, COVID-19, is primarily spread through aerosolized particles uh, that are spewed from people's mouths when they cough, when they speak, uh, when they eat, who knows, every time they open their mouth. Recent studies, however, have taken this premise and called it into question. Uh, It was a study where 45 people infected with COVID-19 were placed in a room and were asked to cough for approximately 30 minutes so that they could measure the amount of particularized matter that was released into the atmosphere, the air of the room, and they found virtually undetectable amounts, negligible. So it's apparent that aerosolized transmission has not been the primary vehicle of the transmission of COVID-19. So why then all the fuss over the mask? And what is the real method of transmission? Well, the only possibilities left is either intimate contact, and we can't consider that as the primary possibility, since not everyone is intimate with everyone else. I suspect it's people actually touching mucous membranes on their body, putting their fingers in their nose or on their mouth, uh, touching a surface, and perhaps direct contact is where this thing is most readily spread. That seems to make the most sense. Uh, If this breathing study that was done is accurate, and for all intent and purposes it seemed to be. Now, the two biggest proponents of wearing the mask, two of the most visible, uh, besides your average liberal that you run into, is Dr. Tony Fauci from the NIH and Governor Andrew Cuomo of the state of New York. Now, let's get Dr. Fauci out of the way. Dr. Fauci would love it if everyone wore a mask. Uh, He wants Halloween 365 days a year. And Dr. Fauci would love it if we never reopened America at all because he thinks we have to be open until there's not a single person dying from anything, which is never going to happen. Dr. Fauci famously threw the opening pitch at the opening game of the Washington Nationals. Um, I think a newborn babe could have done a better job, but that's another story. What's really the story is that after the game, in this empty stadium, Dr. Fauci stood up in the second loge area No social distancing, plenty of room, nobody was in the stadium, sat right next to, I believe, the commissioner and several other people, no mask, talking, laughing, 
having a grand old time, and then when called on it later, tried to say he was a little parched and needed some water. You believe that? I have oceanfront property in Arizona. I would like to sell you. Dr. Fauci is a fraud. I even saw something up on LinkedIn, some chap, obviously a friend of his, putting up a post about what a great figure Dr. Fauci is and how he's given selflessly of himself. I guess he was so confident of people believing this crap about Dr. Fauci. That's why he disabled comments, because I'm sure the avalanche of comments that would have follow, uh, followed that post would have caused him to take it down. Dr. Fauci is a fraud. Dr. Fauci works for the NIH. Dr. Fauci has been in government for over 40 years. Dr. Fauci hasn't seen a patient probably in at least 30 years. Dr. Fauci doesn't know what he's talking about in this regard. Just because he had a little bit of a success with AIDS doesn't mean he's going to be a genius in everything. And there's a political agenda here. Even if he is a brilliant man, and I call that into question, there's a political agenda. Dr. Fauci is a career diplomat. I mean, not diplomat, a career um, government employee. Uh, and like most career government employees, he's a bureaucrat. And most bureaucrats lean left. Most leftists don't like Trump. I think Dr. Fauci would promote any remedy for the COVID virus that would hurt Donald Trump. And keeping the economy closed and wearing masks is one way to do it. Now, the other genius that proposes that we wear masks all the time is the benighted governor, Andrew, I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, Cuomo. Now, this chap traveled to Georgia last week, and he was given hugs and kisses to Savannah Mayor Van Johnson, wearing no mask, engaging in no social distancing, and upon returning from this state, one of 30 that the governor has said, if you travel to and you are a state, uh, state of New York resident, when you return, you must self-quarantine for 14 days. The governor did not follow his own mandate or advice and didn't quarantine. When asked if he was going to, he said that he was too essential. And so, therefore, he couldn't quarantine himself. Well, let me tell you something. Andrew Cuomo is about as, about as essential to the successful operation of the state of New York as cancer is to the continuation of our lives. Governor Cuomo is a schmuck. Need I remind you of what he did in New York State? Not only what he did, but what Governor Granholm uh, did in Michigan, what the governor of Pennsylvania did, what Governor Murphy did in New Jersey, what Governor Newsom did in California. Why do I mention those five states? Because COVID-19 deaths in the nursing homes alone in those five states accounted for 40% of all COVID-19 deaths in this country. Why? Well, because those were the only five schmuck governors that mandated that nursing homes take COVID-19 infected patients if they had available beds. Now, listen up. We don't know everything about this virus, but one thing we do know the people at most at risk in terms of age demographics are people 65 and older. Now, who do you think lives in nursing homes? Mostly people 65 and under? No, people 65 and over, and usually people 65 and over who have some type of illness, disability, or comorbidities. Otherwise, they'd be living in Florida or some other retirement community at age 65, enjoying life. Instead, they're living in nursing homes. 
So into this perfect fold, releasing COVID-19 patients is like a wolf in a fold of sheep, ready victims for the virus to hit. I have friends that work in nursing homes right here in Westchester County in New York, and they said people began dropping like flies once these COVID-19 patients were taken in by the nursing homes. And for Governor Cuomo to have the unmitigated gall to say it was the staff that brought the infection in. You're speculating when you say staff may have brought it in. Let's see. I got two hands. One hand, I have staff that I don't know if they're infected. Uh, They may have brought it in. And on this hand, I've got dozens of patients that I know are infected with COVID-19. Gee, I wonder which one. I wonder which one is the one that infected all the people in the nursing home. Um, Well, if I pick the COVID-19 patients, which I made go there, that doesn't look good for me. Yeah, I think it was the staff. This is about as self-serving as it gets. Governor Cuomo, you are an ass. The biggest favor you could do the people of the state of New York is to go over to the bridge that you named after your father in the middle of the night, take a hold of a good 50-pound anchor, jump over the side, tie it to your ankle, and don't come back up. And while you're going, take your schmuck brother from CNN with you. This guy's a fool. So these are the big COVID-19 lies. The mask and the deaths. And speaking of deaths, there's a little more to it. They're fudging the numbers. We got Dr. Burks, that Burks that's the scarf lady you've seen at the briefings. Uh, we got her finally to admit that there's a distinction to be made between dying from COVID and dying with COVID. And the reality is the long and short is that most people who are listed as COVID-19 deaths have not died from COVID-19. They've simply died with COVID-19. You can go to um, Calvary Nursing Home right here in the Bronx, which is a spectacular facility which specializes in end-of-life care. Um, Usually it's where you went if you had terminal cancer, but now they pretty much take you. If you have any terminal disease from which uh, there is no recovery and there's a great deal of discomfort and pain and they specialize in making you feel as comfortable as possible in your in your final days and final hours well if you pass away if you go there with stage four pancreatic cancer and you pass away they do a COVID-19 test on your remains and if the antibodies come up positive lo and behold they say you died of COVID-19 Now, we all know damn well the person didn't die from COVID-19. They just happened to be infected with COVID-19, but they died from pancreatic cancer. Now, why do this? Well, because a lot of things. One, there's a financial incentive. $14,000 in federal aid is being paid to every state for every COVID-19 death that they have. And two, you can't really create fear of people dying if you don't have anybody dying. So what they do is they've just inflated the numbers, made it look like more people have died from this disease than really have, and they've been able to maintain the fear and then threatening people with the masks. So we have to have social distancing and we have to have masks. Now the governor, getting back to that beauty, is so incensed over people not going by social distancing that um, he's going to fine 27 restaurants in New York City that he thinks had too many people. Then he came up with this idea that you have to order food Otherwise, if you don't order food, too many people will show up and drink. So a lot of the bars and restaurants that didn't have a full menu put out potato chips, which they called Cuomo chips. And he's got a thin skin, 
just like his bro- his brother who thinks he's a tough guy because he takes a syringe filled of steroids once in a while. Uh, and he took offense to that. So now you have to order substantial food. And that's a term subject to seemingly infinite elasticity. What is substantial food and what isn't? So this is the kind of guy we're dealing with in Governor Cuomo. But yet, Governor Cuomo, uh, Mayor de Blasio, and all these others that are so concerned about people not observing social distancing seem to have no problem with these rioters and protesters wreaking havoc, uh, not observing social distancing. They don't get fined for anything at all. They just go rolling right along. All designed to crash the American economy to financially enslave people. And make no mistake about it, ladies and gentlemen, when your means of support is stripped from you by government intervention and you can no longer provide for your needs and you are therefore dependent on whatever crumbs the government gives you, you have been financially enslaved. You are a slave because you are totally dependent on government to provide for you. And government can't provide for everyone. We know this. We see what this is like in communist states. That's why most people in third world countries and socialist countries live in abject poverty. Live in abject poverty. China's gotten better, but you wouldn't want to live there, would you? Russia's gotten better, but I assume most people wouldn't want to live in Russia. You wouldn't want to live in Vietnam. You wouldn't want to live in much of Latin America and South America. These are not type of places that have the standard of living that is seen in Western Europe and the United States. You just don't see it. But yet this is what's happening. This is how incensed people are. Now, lest we think that um, it's just Cuomo and Dr. Fauci who have a skewed sense of reality, today on Capitol Hill, Attorney General Bill Barr was asked to testify before Jerry Nadler's commission. Now, a bigger schmuck than Jerry Nadler, you'd be hard-pressed to find. Despite the evidence that you see on your TV every day of fires burning, police vehicles being stomped on, the windshield smashed, graffiti written aside, he persisted in calling these people peaceful protesters. At the moment, this testimony was going on. Attorney General Bill Barr was addressing a situation where the courthouse in Portland was under siege and protected by U.S. Marshals from people who were seeking to burn the courthouse down with the judges in it. The decision as to whether or not these Marshals would be forced to stand down, uh, a legal action brought by Oregon Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum, She requested that federal officers clearly identify themselves when seizing protesters and stop arrests without probable cause, and she wanted people to be free to protest at the courthouse, and so she wanted the protection there to end. Uh, One of the judges in the courthouse, which originally assigned the task, but I guess they felt he had a vested interest, so he'd be saving his own skin. So a federal judge in a distant court, a judge Michael Moseman, uh, heard the case, and he rejected the argument from Attorney General Ellen Rosenblum, arguing that she did not present enough evidence that future harm would continue at the hands of the agents. The judge also raised doubts about whether the state had legal standing to pursue a suit on behalf of protesters or others who might be targeted by federal officers. Now, 
This idiot, Nadler, is up there telling Barr these are peaceful protesters, and Barr said, look, they're trying to burn down a federal courthouse. The marshals have an absolute obligation. He goes, and this is something that should bother every member of this panel, regardless of what you think of President Trump, regardless of what your political persuasion. You swore an oath when you became congressman and congresswoman to uphold the laws of the U.S. Constitution. Are you telling me that you don't think there's a duty on the part of the federal government that you serve, that you represent, to protect federal courthouses from, from vandalism, from arson? You think that burning down a federal courthouse should be redefined as a peaceful protest? Because if you do, it's about time you resign and go back to whatever it is you did before, if you did anything before, because most of you are just career politicians. And that's why we need term limits in this country. But that's for another show. I could spend hours on that topic. But this is what's going on. We, have, we are having those people who want to get rid of Trump are retroactively playing the definition game, which they always do, and trying to characterize what is nothing more than riotous criminal behavior as peaceful protests. You people watch the news. You see it with your own eyes. Seeing is believing. This is anything but peaceful. This is vicious. And speaking of vicious, we have an organization out there which has taken a very, very heartfelt sentiment to a lot of people. Black Lives Matter. And they've adopted it as the name of their organization. Now, the premise, the idea, Black Lives Matter, I think is something that most people probably really don't have a problem with. I think black lives matter. I think all lives matter. So why should black lives matter any less? The problem is the organization that is taking that slogan, that thought, as the name of its organization, is a corrupt, leftist, domestic terrorist organization. One of the principals of that organization, who I believe is in charge of finances, is a woman named Susan Rosenberg. Now, Susan Rosenberg is a terrorist with the Weather Underground. She was sentenced to 58 years back in the 80s for her role in the Brinks Armored Car Holdup in Rockland County, New York. During the course of that robbery, two policemen and a guard from Brinks were murdered. This was in 1981. She was finally apprehended by authorities in 1984, along with an accomplice by the name of Timothy Blunk. They were caught in New Jersey unloading cargo from a U-Haul truck to a storage unit. Now, what's so unusual about that? A lot of people use storage units, especially now, one of the fastest growing businesses. Except they weren't really unloading living room furniture. They were unloading 640 pounds of stolen explosives, an arsenal of weapons, manuals on terrorism, and false IDs. These type of people we don't need. So she was sentenced to 58 years. Now, she was pardoned by Bill Clinton after only 16 years. And I wonder why, but Bill Clinton pardoned a lot of people. A lot of money was greased in Mr. Clinton's pardons. They talk about Trump pardoning Roger Stone. Trump has handed out, I don't think he's even given out 20 pardons in his whole presidency. Obama gave out hundreds Bill Clinton gave out anybody who wanted to be pardoned, especially that last month. You put the money in the DNC, you got it. Look at Mark Rich, a fugitive from justice. He was an arms dealer. 
Usually pardons are given to people who have either done their time and accepted responsibility, are repentant. Um, Mark Rich did none of those things. He was a fugitive from justice. He moved to Switzerland, a non-extradition country, surrounded himself with a security detail, and he wasn't allowed to come back to the United States to receive a pardon until his ex-wife made a million-dollar-plus donation to the Democratic National Committee, and you can bet your sweet boopy that a majority of that money went right into old Bill's pocket. The Clintons were the biggest charlatans and snake oil salesmen this country has ever seen. So getting back to the organization that the lovely Miss Rosenberg uh, is an integral part of, Black Lives Matter. I'd like to know if these black lives really matter, though. Why do they only seem to matter when they come to an end at the hand of a police officer? Preferably a white police officer. It makes for better press. Chicago is, and has been for some time, a bloody wild, wild west show. It's not uncommon for double-digit people not only to be shot in Chicago on a given weekend, but to die. A few weeks ago, 13 black young men were murdered in Chicago in one weekend at the hands of other black men. And this is what's not being covered by the media. It's not spoken about. Nobody calls people out on it. Black Lives Matter is full of horse dung. The movement I'm talking about, not the sentiment, the organization. The organization, Black Lives Matter, is full of it. It's a terrorist organization. You can't call yourselves Black Lives Matter and say nothing when 13 young black men are gunned down in one of this country's biggest cities. And that cancerous aspect is migrating here to New York. We're seeing violence like we've never seen before in New York. Well, not never seen before, but we haven't seen for, for decades. We're getting double-digit shootings over the course of a weekend. And why not? The mutts know the cops are handcuffed. Handcuffed by Bill de Blasio. And this idiot's out quoting Karl Marx the other day. And he still maintains, still maintains that it's okay for people protesting racism. Hell, the Supreme Court signed off on it. What a terrible ruling this past week. A terrible ruling to say that people who want to go to worship God preach brotherly love. Can't do it. Can only have 30 people in a church at a time. It's against the law. Social distancing. Social distancing and the control of the pandemic trumps your First Amendment rights to worship God. But it doesn't trump protesters' rights to burn and destroy. That's allowed. And that coming from a majority opinion written by the Chief Justice. What a piece of garbage John Roberts is. What a piece of garbage you are, Mr. Roberts. You don't even deserve to be called a judge. I won't call you Jurist Roberts. I'll call you Mr. Roberts. You're a disgrace to the bench. Why is it that all these appointees by many of these Republicans, once they get on the bench, they turn and show their true colors? Never happens when a liberal puts somebody on the court. They're liberal to the goddamn day they die. But the Republicans, they flip. There's only a few really conservative judges on that court. Kavanaugh's one. Sam Alito is another. Reliable conservative. Clarence, Clarence Thomas is another. Gorsuch has even waffled on a couple. Roberts, you can forget. He's a token. 
But it looks like Ruth Buzzy Ginsburg has got one foot in the grave in the Illinois banana peel. And although we thank her for her service, I think the time is coming that her judicial career is going to come to a close. So we may yet save the Supreme Court. But that has got to be a real disgrace, a kick in the cojones to every law-abiding, God-fearing person in this country that they were told by the Supreme Court, their highest court in this free country, that their First Amendment right doesn't, their First Amendment, rather, doesn't protect their right to worship God as they choose in a church or a synagogue. But it does permit domestic terrorists from wreaking havoc and destroying whatever they wish. The world is truly upside down. Businesses are being shuttered. They're being told they're going to be fined if they open or don't adhere to certain rules. But people are allowed to break into those businesses, pillage and plunder them, and there's no problem. This is what we've come to. I want to thank you for joining us for our latest podcast. Please, again, subscribe. We're on podbean.com right now. We will be on Apple Podcasts soon. We're working out some of the technical glitches which prevent us from being listed. But we endeavor to bring you stories that you may not have heard. We endeavor to bring you stories with a different perspective on stories that you may have heard. But we speak very frankly to you, and we welcome your input for things you'd like us to cover. And if you want to challenge anything we have to say or anything I have to say, feel free to do it. Just shoot us a direct email at nationalpreviewonline at gmail.com, and we'll be more than happy to address it. Until next time, for National Preview Online, I'm Jamie Dury.